1: Jack Manuel here for another Brooklyn Buzz, and an unfortunate Brooklyn Nets loss as the Nets go down to the Clippers one twenty-five to one fourteen, and they forgot how to score the basketball. The Nets go on a sorry, the Clippers go on a twenty-two to zero run in the last five minutes of the game. I'm I'm not. That's again. That's twenty-two points to a paltry zero nada nothing love if we're talking tennis terms I just don't know what the hell happened they got outscored in the final period final quarter 41 to 15 it just seemed to me that one there was a couple of factors that stuck out one Jacques Vaughan didn't call a timeout like what why how when who it it bogs boggles the minds that it's something that has been an issue with Jacques Vaughn and other Brooklyn Nets coaches at different times like Steve Nash has sort of said in the past like I want the guys to sort of work through it this is nigh on inexcusable now <clears throat> I will get to the players and the criticism that a lot of them so sorely deserve but <clears throat> excuse me in saying that the coach has a duty and a responsibility to use the skills and tools that they have to affect the game in some semblance of a fashion. As a coach, you've got the ability to call timeouts, you've got the ability to make substitutions, lineups, you know, get a little bit angry and ruffle the feathers, you know, get a tech on yourself or, or, or whatever. But the key one that mattered today was Jacques Vaughn just not calling a freaking timeout. The Nets just gave up points after points after points after points. And more critically, they couldn't score to save their lives. Now, credit where credit is due. The Los Angeles Clippers are a very good team. This is a team that's going to be fun for the championship no matter what. They've got a lot of stars, they've got a heap of talent, and their defense locked in. And when their defense locked in, they were switching, they were engaged on their isolation defense, the Nets couldn't find a way through it. Whether it was Cam Thomas, whether it was Nick Claxton, whether it was Mikael Bridges, whether it was Cam Johnson. But going back to that lack of timeout call from Jacques Vaughn, I just don't know what the reasoning is to just not do it. Because a lot of the time, to give a little bit of credit to Jacques Vaughn, the ATO plays that he calls out of the timeouts normally get the Nets something. Whether it's a Cam Johnson three, someone going downhill to get to the line for free throws or a layup. But it just felt like he like froze. Like, what are you doing, Ja? You have a responsibility to the team as the head coach to have some sort of an effect on the game. Now, sometimes players just do their thing and they control the proceedings and there's a flow. His substitution patterns were all right and the lineups were all right in the first half, maybe in the first two and a half quarters. But this is what he said, to, and this is via Eric Slater, uh, that this is vo- um, in terms of the fourth quarter offense. That's not going to work, not for our group. We can try it and see if we can beat dudes one-on-one, but that's not how we build, built our lead. There's some long, strong dudes across this league, and they're not gonna let you play one-on-one. Okay, they're not gonna let you play one-on-one. Well then maybe call a timeout so then you can call, create some sort of an action or create some sort of a set. Like just do something. Like anything. I'd rather lose trying some different things as a Nets fan than just letting like the Nets defense be porous and letting the Nets offense be stagnant and predictable and just mind-numbingly bad. The Nets didn't create any semblance of quality offense. And that's despite, you know, Mikhail having an incredible first half, Cam Thomas having a pretty good game overall, Klax having a big effect on the game. But, yeah, what else are we going to do? I can talk enough about Jacques Vaughn, I think. He wasn't the, the the underlying reason why the Nets lost, but he was... Certainly one of them. It was sort of like a multitude of factors. And probably that other key factor was him choosing not to substitute out Cam Johnson for DFS or DSJ or, or Lonnie, who were one of those three guys. Heck, even Trenton Watford. Probably not Trenton Watford, but like absolutely Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr. and Dorian Finney-Smith. One of those guys should have been in over Cam Johnson because Cam Johnson was terrible. Like, with a capital T. With a Charles Barkley. Terrible. Like, 29 minutes for him. 3 of 11 from the field. 2 of 7 from 3. 1 of 2 from free throw line. Did have 6 assists, 4 rebounds, and a steal. But only the 9 points. Was minus 8 in his time. And, and some of the shots that he was taking. Like, he was... He's... It felt like... Uh, look, the Cam Johnson discussion is something that has been had a bit with Nets fans. And one that I've even been a part of and thrown out on Twitter and such but he's average this is an average basketball that earned himself a four-year 94 million dollar contract now think of the new salary cap blah 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 whatever cool but he's the 54 this season he's the 54 highest paid NBA player so he's in the top uh, there's 450 players so he's right up there in terms of what he's getting paid Players around the same sort of range, and again, if you follow me on Twitter, you probably know that some of these numbers are what they are. Players on similar contracts to Cam Johnson, Julius Randle, Jeremy Grant, Jordan Poole, Jaron Jackson Jr., Tyler Hero, Jalen Brunson, Kyle Kuzma, John Collins, Brooke Lopez, Mike Conley, Andrew Wiggins, Anthony Simons, RJ Barrett, Jordan Clarkson, Terry Rozier, Dylan Brooks, Malcolm Brogdon. There's not a lot of players on that list that Cam Johnson is better than. And if you want to go even deeper on that list, Draymond Green, Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, and Mikael Bridges, who's earning less uh, than his twin buddy. Like, Cam Johnson is not worth the money. Like, we know that. It's going to be intriguing to see whether, one, he continues to get this, nepotism in treatment. Like, he's earned the contract, so we've got to play him in closing stretches. Like, just play the best players. Like, it's just... The Nets had a chance to steal two wins, two upset wins on this LA road trip. And they head back home, and they're versus some pretty tough teams going forward. You know, up next against the Knicks and the Timberwolves. This would have been a really crucial win and a momentum-turning win. But the inefficient and nothingness of Cam Johnson. Like, if we're going through... Let's see how many times Cam Johnson, across the games he's played this season, has scored 20 points or more. He scored 20 points or more four times. He's played 34 games. Four times he's scored 20 points or more. Like, I get that... Look, and if you want mean to go through it, let's take a look. He's scored 19 once. He's scored 18 a couple times. He's scored 17 four times. If he was doing 17, five and five, whatever, it just seems to me he gets like nine and then 13 and then six. Like he's just a criminally inconsistent and ineffective, ineffectual player. On defense, he's porous. He's a cone. He just has no level of physicality and dog to him that some of our other guys on this roster do have. They'd like, it's just, the the Cam Johnson discussion is something that will be had for quite a while, probably, and deservedly so, because this guy is playing pretty bad basketball right now. If the Nets can offload him in some semblance of a trade, I think plenty of Nets fans will be happy, whether it's for draft equity, whether it's for expirings or whatever, because... It feels like it's one step forward, two steps back for Cam Johnson because he was having like a little mini stretch when you know he got back and he was looking all right. And then he sort of just goes back to this like really bad form. He's not even like a weapon from three unless he's completely and utterly open. It feels like he needs the game dictated for him. He needs everything open. Like he made a couple of good plays against the Lakers the other night. And it just feels like to me, for a guy, maybe I'm being too harsh on him. Maybe I should see things from the other side of, the, uh, of of the perspective. But when you're getting paid a certain amount, and he's one of the Nets' like leading contract getters, in terms of, you know, you can throw in Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons is a completely different kettle of fish. But right now, Cam Johnson is getting paid 20 plus, 23 plus million dollars and he's not playing to a 23 1000000 million-dollar player. Simple as that. After the break, guys, I'll get to maybe a few more positive things, a few little rumblings and news around the Nets franchise.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com blue Wire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Now, I'll get to a few positive things because... The Nets outscored the Clippers in three of four quarters today. So it was just that last quarter. The Clippers played one quality quarter of basketball and they beat the Nets. the The thing is, like Mikael Bridges had twenty points in the first half, only had six in the second half. Now again, he re aggravated that shin injury. You're losing the hand a little bit and slipping down. Seems to be a little bit of a wet spot on the on the floor there at Crypto, but. I thought it was a, a, a really good game, nonetheless, from Mikael Bridges. 9-17 from the field, six rebounds, five assists, a steal, a block. Did have three turnovers. But his three-point shooting is something, again, You know, to reiterate that, that's looking really, really good. You know, in the net socials, all with the, with the older people impersonating Mikael Bridges' celebration, you know, the, the three-point celebration. But today, you know, he led the, the Nets in, in minutes, and, you know, he got to the free throw line a little bit. But the three-point shooting is something that is, is really good to see. If that continues, he continues to have that trigger from the pull-up. You know, that opening possession of the game set the tone. You know, the Nets win the tip. They tip it around. And Mikael Bridges gets a, a three-point within five seconds of the, the clock starting. That was what we... That, was, that set the tone early for how the Nets were going to attack this game, be aggressive. But it was too bad that they couldn't uh, hang on for, for four quarters. But Mikael Bridges... I would say had, you know, if you, the first half was like a 10 out of 10 performance, and then after that, you know, closer to 5 or 6 out of 10, so for averaging it out, probably an 8 out of 10 game from him, but, you know, a good game nonetheless, and the fact that he could perform at the same time, you know, that Cam Thomas was, 8 of 17 from the field from him, 27 minutes, would have liked to see that a little bit higher, especially when you're giving Cam Johnson, 29, Spencer Dinwiddie, 33, Nick Claxton, 31, despite his foul trouble, but Cam Thomas was only one to five from three, was three or four from the free throw line, did tie his career high in assists. And I think it's now three straight games where he's had four or more assists. His play, and he was minus 19. I think a lot of people will look to that and go, look, Cam Thomas, minus 19, led the team. Was the, 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 the team worse than that? But when he was out there, the team looked to have a good flow. He was making the right decisions. And it seems to me that he is just out there and not hunting his own shot, but hunting his own shot when it matters and making the right decisions. Like some of his lobster clacks and trend at Watford, he was getting doubled the extra attention, but he was making all the right plays. And this is a guy that, whether he's starting or finishing games, he did finish today's game. I think you got to sub out Cam Johnson and whether it's Cam Thomas comes in or whoever and Cam Johnson comes off the bench, but you can't reasonably argue that Cam Johnson provides more than Cam Thomas. I think mean, Cam Thomas defended better today than Cam Johnson as well. I think overall, he has been too. And Cam Thomas has been pretty good there, especially on one-on-one occasions and on isolation occasions when he's just man-to-man defense. So, look, Cam Thomas continuing to grow. Did he have the four turnovers? I think some of those you know, were uh, his problem. Some of those weren't. I think he could have had more assists if some of the like role players, i.e. DFS, Royce, and... And Cam Johnson could have hit some of their three balls a little bit more effectively. But yeah, his passing now and his decision-making out of doubles, he's just being a bit more quick. And I think that comes with game reps and extended game reps. 30-plus minutes for Cam Thomas, please. Just 30-plus minutes consistently. This guy should be a tent pole of the organization moving forward. I've said that a billion times. But yeah, outside of that, I'll get to, I guess, the rest of the stars. Nick Claxton was really good today, but it was the foul trouble that I think hurt the Nets and him. You know, he had a couple of fouls, fa- he had like one or two fouls at a certain point. Then he had like two in the third, and then they had to sort of sit for an extended period towards the end of that quarter. And then he got another one, and then he had to sit for quite a bit. And I think him being out of the game allowed the Clippers to really attack the Nets on defense because Nick Claxton, whether it's on a switch, whether it's in drop, like he was doing a lot today and he was quite effective. You know, his numbers, seven to ten from the field, 0 1 from three. That three ball is not something I want to see. You know, the Nets haven't scored in a long, long, long time. They're only up by six, and Claxton's open from three from the corner. Look, now look. To make him miss league, maybe he hits that and where I'm talking about, hey, Clax is that three-point shooter. But it felt like, to me, that was emblematic of the Nets, not being able to create anything. So let's just try and ignite something with uh, Nick Claxon three, which unfortunately didn't happen. Six boards for him, two of them offensive, three assists, a steal, two blocks. The five fouls. That, for me, was sort of a momentum changer for him personally and more so for the team because I think his presence... He was so important for what the Nets were doing, attacking advantages when you know they were going against Tyce or small ball Russell, Russell Westbrook, and Clax's two-man game with Cam Thomas today, handoffs, screens, all those different sort of things. They're developing a really positive chemistry. That's nice to see. So, unfortunately, the Nets couldn't get the win. But Nick Claxton, if he had to play 33 or more minutes or had to sit out a foul trouble, that might have changed the trajectory uh, of the performance. Spencer Dimity, another good game from Spence. 33 minutes, 6-9 and nine from the field, 4-6 from three. Did have the seven assists as well to go with two boards. Uh, had a block as well for his 16 points. Now, the rumors have been swirling quite a bit. You know, HP Basketball... Uh, Matt Moore, sorry, by the Action Network, is saying that Spencer Dinwiddie is now being sought after by the Los Angeles Lakers. That'll be intriguing to see whether the Lakers can come up with a package that the Nets want. But whether it's Spencer juicing back his trade value, whether he's back in a better spot mentally, he's, he's got a better of a, a bit better of a comfort level, but his last two games have been great. And it feels like a lot of Nets players enjoy playing in, in Lakerland in, in Los Angeles. But yeah, a good game for Spencer Dewey. And hopefully this can you know, continue when the Nets get back home to Barclays. Uh, I guess I get to join Finney-Smith. I, I think he didn't affect the box score other than a block and nine boards. He had a, like, been more effect, effective there in terms of hitting one of his three threes or one of his five field goals it would have looked a lot better for him. His defense was really good tonight, like really good, and the rebounding, you know, leading the team with nine boards. So you take without what you will. Now there's teams and people out there saying that the Nets are looking for two firsts when it comes to a DFS. You know, he... I'm skeptical whether the Nets do that, whether they get two sort of fake firsts, like two late firsts, like from good teams, or one decent first and and a second. But it's it'll be intriguing to see what does happen with his future in Brooklyn. But He's a just a, a really good player, like a, a really, really good player. But in saying that, you know, if you can get him for a decent price and offer him for a different, just decent price, then then you take that. And he did speak to, after the uh, Lakes performance, you know, the, the rumors surrounding him, he said, just can't focus on the outside noise. That's part of it. There's nothing you can do about it. We've all got social media, so you're going to hear it. It ain't real. It's a whole bunch of chit-chat until something officially happens. I'm a Brooklyn net, and I want to win. That's all that matters. Love that last line from DFS. And If he's on the nets, and because he is on a... He's still got a couple of years on that contract, and it is incredibly team-friendly, which is what makes him a a more attractive proposition for opposing teams, then I'm cool keeping him around, because he he does provide so much defensively, and hopefully that three-ball gets back to... As good as it was earlier in the season, we were shooting like 45 percent, but he's been a little bit lackluster from the perimeter of late. But yeah, in saying that, the rest of the guys: Royce, and Neil, Trenton, Watford, Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker off the bench. Royce has been struggling hitting the three ball, you know, and that's something that I think he needs to get back. You know, those one dribble sort of threes, he's lost that a little bit. Trenton Watford in his 12 minutes. You know, it was okay. You know, only hit the one bucket, but, you know, did a few nice things here or there. DSJ, you know, he's 80 minutes, six of eight from the field, one of two from three, three rebounds, you know, an assist. He is just a relentless drive driver. His athleticism, his dogged nature. You know, he's a really valuable player for this Nets team. And him or, or Lonnie Walker, I want to keep one or both of those guys in a Nets uniform for a long time. I think some people are talking about the mid-level for, for Lonnie Walker and or, Dennis for Jr., not Handel, but one of those two. I'd love to see one of those guys, both of those guys in the Nets uniform for a long time. Lonnie Walker continuing only 10 minutes. Like This minutes restriction is just a bit odd because when he's out there, the Nets just look better offensively because they have another option. And I think when they were struggling in that final quarter, you could have thrown Lonnie out there, could have hit a three ball, could have driven, could have hit one of his mid-ranger because he was three or four from the field, two or two from three, and he's just a really smooth and fluid And he can just get a bucket when you need it. So I think I've spoken about the lack of substitutions when it came to Cam Johnson and such. But yeah, that is what it is. Uh, A few final notes I wanted to get to, guys, is that when, to speak of, like, hark on Lonnie Walker, I did a little bit of research yesterday. Not sure what the numbers are after today. But when Lonnie Walker is on the floor, the Nets have a 122.9 offensive rating. And when he's off, the Nets are 114.7. So... Give Lonnie that minutes restriction better go sooner rather than later because this guy impacts the team hugely in an offensive fashion. Hugely, that number is emblematic of that. And another little rumor that we have sort of heard is that the Nets apparently are interested in Gary Trent Jr. Like I don't see it from the Raptors. Like this guy is a one-way player. To say the least, he doesn't have a heap of size. He's like a sort of 6'5 shooting guard. And that's all. He's sort of like the old school sort of prototypical shooting guard where he just shoots. So in saying that, this was via uh, Matt Moore, I believe, on the Action Network. He said, not a lot of noise about the Nets. They're mentioning on the fringe of some of the big names, DeJounte T- John Murray, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell. But outside of it, it's going to take at least one first to get DFS or Royce I haven't heard much. You would think the season's slipping away. They're shaking things up. But the front office seems content to use this season to assess things. Though a deal for their expiring contract seems likely. Spencer Dimini, Royce O'Neal are two of those expirings. The Lakers also now have interest in Spencer Dimini, which is what I alluded to earlier. But I don't get this Gary Trent Jr. interest. He, and this was via Matt Moore. Gary Trent Jr. is the name most frequently discussed with the Lakers and Nets among the teams with interest. Like, there's also been, like, some little rumbling or there that... Doriane Russell might come back in a Spencer Dinwiddie sort of deal, yeah, maybe. Like I don't really love Russell's contract, but he's playing some decent basketball in terms of his efficiency and scoring, as well as some of his playmaking. But I don't get the the, the interest in in Gary Trent Jr. because his scoring has dipped, his efficiency has dipped. I just Don't like him. Like he he's on an expiring as well. Maybe if the Nets just want that as some sort of an asset, I just don't see it. Like unless you want Gary Trent Jr., I'd rather like keep a Dinwiddie over him. So yeah, not a fan of the Gary Trent Jr. interest. Hopefully there is moves that are made that are better than that. Whether it's getting garnering assets, whether it's Ajonte Murray, whoever else. So we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully the Nets get back on the winners' list against their crosstown rivals in the Knicks. But Thank you, as always, Nets listeners, Buzz listeners. It's always a pleasure to bring some content to you guys. Wish it was in better circumstances. Wish Jacques Vaughan had done something a bit smarter, but we are where we are. Nets world, we keep riding.